Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Buzz Podcast. Thanks for joining us today as we continue to chat about all sorts of different things uh, in the life of the Catholic Church. My name is Father Daniele. I'm joined by Josh Sullivan. Hello. Josh, welcome again. And Matt Van Milligan. Hello. Matt, welcome. Hi. Guess what happened? So, you know, a couple weeks ago, God rest his soul, we were talking about um, the late... Pope Emeritus Benedict the Sixteenth, and we were having a conversation about uh, will he be named a doctor of the mm-hmm. church, right? Mm-hmm. Which we sort of discussed in that episode. Yeah. First, you got to be canonized a saint, yeah. right? For that, for that to you happen. have to be a saint first, but then you can become a doctor, a doctor of the church, right? And um, so the question was raised from people watching that episode about Pope Benedict, you know, what are doctors of the church? I guess we didn't do a very good job explaining it. And, uh, you know, are there uh, women who are doctors of the church as well? Of course. Yeah. Of course. And so that just got me thinking a little bit about the beautiful contribution that women have made to the life of the church, Mm -hmm. you know? And I, I just wanted to talk about that today. Yeah. I think we yeah. should have a little conversation about the beautiful contributions uh, that women have made to the church. Sure, we could talk about the doctors of the church because uh, that there's was the of sort of question that uh, sort of brought this uh, to mind. But there's so much we can say about the beauty that women have brought to the mm-hmm. thought of the church. And and so just to clarify here, because uh, the question was about the, about doctors of the church, right? Mm-hmm. So a doctor of the church is, uh, first of all, a person who's canonized a saint. Yep. Um, it's an entirely separate process to become a doctor of the church, right? And once, so once they're uh, canonized a saint, they can be recommended by the faithful people uh, of God. And they are trying to determine if someone has made good. Now, Matt will correct me. Uh, have, have First of all, that they lived a life of holiness. Yes. Mm-hmm. Second of all, that they've contributed to the thought of the church. Let it, maybe it's theological, maybe it's philosophical, maybe it's doctrinally, whatever it might be that they've contributed. Maybe their writings, maybe their example of life, whatever it might be. Mm, uh, also, yeah. uh, contribute to the spirituality of the church, which we'll see with St. Teresa of Avila, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. And maybe something else, Matt, about a, being a doctor of the church, or yeah. is that pretty bad? No, I, I think I think that's a, a great definition. Like, just in general, like someone who has made a substantial contribution to, you know, and, and I like I like the range that you gave there. It's not just kind of a, an intellectual or a theological contribution to... Or through their writings, but through the church, their or, example. Yeah, but like yes. an example of, you know, the legacy that they leave in the example of their life and their writings mm-hmm. that, you know, contributes to, um, you know, how we understand uh, Catholic identity. Yeah, right. And uh, so let's just name uh, a few then right off the bat. And maybe before I, I, you know, when I was thinking about and praying about uh, sort of reflection of women, I was talking with women from our parish, uh, our uh, the the women's group that meets on Fridays, mm-hmm. and I believe that they are currently reading. If not, maybe I'm mistaken, but I think they're reading John Paul II's oh, okay. letter to women. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful letter that John Paul II wrote uh, back in 1995, but it's still so beautiful to read today. So if uh, people want to read that uh, contribution from the Pope, um, he, he just speaks so beautifully about 
women and their uh, contribution to the church. Okay, let's yeah. talk about the doctors of the church. Uh, who wants to start? You want to okay. talk about? Uh, okay, I'll start with Saint Teresa of Avila. Okay, Saint yeah. Teresa of Avila. She's born. She's one of the most famous uh, of the saints, uh, and so she's born in Spain. Uh, she became a Carmelite nun. Her and John of the Cross worked together. Now, John of the Cross is also a doctor of the church. Yeah. They worked together to reform the Carmelite order. The cool thing I like about her story, if you look into it too, though, was John of the Cross was a younger person that joined her movement. Mm -hmm. So she started it, and then John of the Cross kind of joined on and they're both doctors of the church because what they did at the church at the time but they and they did it together kind of uh but but she had kind of started it and pulled like she was the one that started things moving and he kind of joined in later on and helped out that's right uh so it was kind of a cool thing that you know th her contribution came first if you will yeah and what were they doing like what was the reform they were doing on the carmelite order well they were trying to bring the carmelite order back to a more contemplative prayer and the church was life. against this at the time right yeah. i mean it was it was at, or not against it i'm going to say that they were questioning why you would do this you're questioning like no the church is about uh, you know going out and doing actions and that and they were bringing it back to a com contemplative prayer uh monastic lifestyle right is that what i that's yeah. right and the context there is is, is the the counter-reformation so they're they're dealing with a lot of the the fallout from you'd say kind of the Protestant Reformation. So there's a lot of kind of disagreement about what's what's the way forward for the church. Mm, um, yeah. So yeah, that's... Um, so that makes sense. So that's like, there's a lot of, we, we have these churches that are just splitting off every right, left and center, and then we're trying to figure out, okay, no, how does the church teach what they teach? And and can the church be, I mean, I love the word Catholic for the word, for the meaning universal, yeah. because the whole point of that and, and what they're kind of proving there is you are universal. You can be this church and this church at the same time. You can yeah. be, you can have this viewpoint, you can have people that are living their lives in con contemplative prayer, praying for intercessory and all that kind of stuff, while you still have people on the front lines evangelizing and, and, and turning people to Christ. Like, you can live as a Catholic in either side mm -hmm. of that spectrum, and it's all the church. It's yeah. all being part of the body of the church. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, I... Like we were talking about, like, so she's named a doctor of the church. Like, what contributions did she make? She, mm -hmm. you know, reformed this order of, of uh, sisters. She had a couple of writings too, right? Yeah. And that was a big, like, she's one of the ones Two that actually wrote. Two main writings The Way yeah. of Perfection okay. and The Interior Castle. Yes. And the interior castle is basically that she received a vision from Jesus that sort of like the soul is like these mansions of a, of a castle. And, okay. uh, there's different levels to it. There's different things. So why people study the interior castle, number one is for their own self yeah. knowledge, like okay. to come to know their own spiritual life, their own depthness, the, like the way that Jesus speaks to them and for encouragement to understand, like when we go through difficulties in life, that God journeys with us, he encourages us to grow through these difficulties, through these challenges. And, and that's how she sort of works her way through these levels or mansions of the interior castle. It's stunning. It's yeah. a it's a beautiful read, and really, if someone's wanting to like really deepen their spiritual life, highly recommended. That's great. That's uh, that's so one of the reasons why she's considered a doctor is because of her viewpoints and because of she, like you said, she's a mystic. She had visions and she yeah. had that kind of stuff and recording that, but also just her way of changing the view of the church, changing the way that the church views uh, spirituality. Monastic. She was no pushover. No, she <laughs> did a lot of. She would did a lot of like even even. Her father did not want her to join the religious order. 
Like, so right from the get-go, she was like... She's a rebellion, de- rebellious Rebellious. Child. I was going to say <laughs> yeah. defiant, but rebellious is, the, is more of the way. And then and yeah. she, kept, she kept fighting for things throughout her life as she was reforming that order. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think she's beautiful. Yeah. I think that's great. Great. Um, oh. I, I can give an example. Um, so um, I'm going to butcher the second part of this name because I only know her as St. Hildegard. Uh, but it's Hildegard of Bingen. Um, Bingen. Yeah. Bingen. Bingen. Yeah. The, the I think it's Bingen. Uh, yeah, I've only heard it as Bingen. Yeah, the, the G may or may not be hard. Yeah, yeah. Bingen. Yeah. Bingen. Bingen. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to... We'll have to look that up yeah, after. Yeah. Well, she's an 11th century saint. Right. Um, and we, uh, we said, uh, so like uh, we cover a range of kind of the, the contributions of um, uh, what kind of doctors of the church do. Um, and some, I, some people think about it like in terms of, you know. Um, Thomas Aquinas. Yeah. A yeah, lot exactly, of writing. The angelic doctor or exactly, someone who yeah. like made kind of these, yeah, really, really substantial uh, contributions to how we understand Catholic theology and doctrine um, and all of these things. Um, and, you know, uh, Hildegard was kind of fairly contemporary with uh, with St. Thomas Aquinas. And, you know, in terms of being an intellectual powerhouse, you know, she was she was on par. Um, so she wrote uh, um, uh, she, she wrote some mystical works, uh, works on mystical theology. Um, she wrote plays. She wrote poetry. Um, she published <laughs> on medicine. Like she was, she's a uh, composer. Yeah, 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 yeah. She composed music, um, and she wrote uh, pretty extensively on uh, what at the time was called uh, natural history, na- natural philosophy, which is what eventually became, you know, science um, as right. we understand it. Um, so uh, again, just kind of this like intellectual powerhouse that made huge contributions to you know the world. Yeah, yeah. That, like <laughs> just just the advancement of of, of Western civilization, um, but also. Um, and I think this is this is pretty um, uh, interesting for the the time that she occupied, like in in that um, in that kind of scholastic period or like that that period of of education. Um, you know, all of these disciplines, all of the academic disciplines, um, theology was still queen of the sciences, um, as the way that they yeah. so like and, and you know queen yeah. of the sciences is a nice way of putting it for um, <laughs> our subject today. So um, she's a really good example of. Um, you know, actually, actually making you know meaningful contributions in all these areas, but also, um, you know, her her perspective and her theology, like, you know, ma- made contributions to you know how we understand uh, our faith. Yeah. And you know, we were talking about Saint Teresa of Avila being kind of like a no pushover. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Saint Hildegard was no pushover either, and she was no stranger, uh, really, to controversy. Right? There was a lot of things going on. Remember, there were the, some people in the church were against when she moved her monastery to Bingen yeah. or Bingen. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I think it's Bingen, yeah. right? And there was a, there was a lot of uh, controversy there when she moved that the people, the monks there that were near there were protesting against her. She kept fighting, uh, you said the 11th century, I yeah. believe, eh? Yeah. Um, her, her monastery was actually uh, placed under interdict Interdict okay. is that how you say it? Okay, yeah. Interdict, yeah, like yeah. a penalty. It's yeah. a penalty, yeah, yeah, yeah. penalty yeah, yeah. of the church. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. Uh, and uh, because um, she had permitted the burial of a young man who had been excommunicated. Okay, that was the reason. So there was a penalty put on her uh, monastery there, and uh, she insisted that this young man had been reconciled with the church and received sacraments before dying. Before he died, yeah. right? But there was this like bitter rivalry between yeah. her and yeah. the local bishop. And uh, yeah, there was yeah. there was sort of a sanction placed on her and the monastery. Anyways, it was yeah, yeah. lifted uh, a few months before her death. And uh, and interestingly enough, if that wasn't as interesting, <laughs> if that wasn't interesting enough, uh, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth is the one that named yeah. her a doctor of the church just 
in 2015. Yeah, that, that's a pretty common story because even yeah. even uh, you know St. Thomas Aquinas now yeah. we we take as just kind of uh, synonymous with you know, Catholic theology in a lot of in a lot of areas. But there was a lot of opposition to what he wrote initially as well because they thought he was bringing um, him and his his teacher uh, Saint Albert the Great were bringing too much of Greek philosophy, too much Aristotle into our understanding. Uh, so there was a lot of kind of pushback. You say so it was quite a while before he was declared a saint, and I don't think he was declared a doctor of the church until uh the 16th century i believe so yeah, it's yeah. pretty popular that like you know that these um you get some pushback yeah <laughs> or maybe one of the hallmarks of you know making a, a contribution this impactful is that you know it takes time for the the church to actually um rec- recognize the the specific genius yeah Okay, another doctor of the church, uh, a female doctor of the church. St. Therese of Lisieux. Therese of Lisieux. She's, she's a good one. Uh, one of the things I love about her is because whereas in both these doc- both the doctors that we've previously talked about both have writings that they've contributed, not only just through their lifestyle, but also through the writings, she's one of the few that have hardly any writing. She has, like I think, a book, and a book specifically about her life or, or her start, an autobiography or something to that effect. But one of the things that she did was the way that she lived her life, and she's known as St. Therese of Lisieux or the little way um, St. Teresa of the little way and so doing all things doing uh, little things with great love right and that's so it doesn't matter what God placed where God placed you but being able to do wherever he placed you now so if that means that for her it was scrubbing floors and she's going to scrub floors with the greatest amount of love for the sisters around her for she's going to scrub these floors with so much love in her heart um, uh, that even it's a little chore just like scrubbing the floors or washing a dish she can do those types of things uh, trimming a hedge whatever it may be with the greatest of love and that's how she transformed people through her own life example and through her own life right which is kind of cool so so not only as we we're talking about not only through their writings but also just through their actions and the way that they live their life their experience their actual you know which is kind of really cool it's really cool and she didn't have a an easy time. No, no. She, she she suffered from uh, tuberculosis, tuberculosis yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And so I she believe sick a lot. that her sisters were kind of making fun of her. Hey, like the, the sisters yeah. in the order were kind of making yeah. fun of her. And, and that was so she she suffered from t- tuberculosis. Uh, she had a hard time getting around doing stuff, I believe. And so she got a lot of the, um, I want to call it like the, the lesser chores, the the chores that you were just around and like, okay, well, we'll give it to Saint, you know, we'll give it to Teresa, you know, yeah. we'll give it to Saint Teresa of Lisieux. Well, not saying at that time, but um, so she kind of got a lot of those kind of things. But so that was part of it was like accepting those fully, and and living that life in great love no matter what. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. And so she she lived a life of suffering, but through that suffering, she loved so much, mm-hmm. you know. And it was kind of I think it's a the way that she transformed the church. Or one of the ways was just showing that. Um, we can live our lives in great love no matter what. Yeah. We can live uh, the, the greatest part of living a Christian or Catholic life, like living our fullness of our life is through love, not necessarily the great actions that we do or the great thought that we contribute, but just living with love and living everything that we do with great love, you can become a saint. Mm-hmm. And JP2 um, declared her a doctor of the church in 1997. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Another yeah. doctor um, of the church. Yeah. So uh, Catherine of Siena oh, is another yes. one that we were <laughs> looking at. 
um, is um, I like her story. This is a great story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a she's a no nonsense, not 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 a, another non pushover. Yeah, yeah, another, yeah, not a pushover. Yeah. Uh, more than that. So, and she was, in fact, a lay person, correct? Yes. So she was a tertiary of the Dominican order, which okay. is like, um, so she, uh, but she lived, she lived kind of a monastic life, if that makes sense. So she, yeah. li- she lived in a cell. But she wasn't she, a consecrated sister. No, she, she wasn't a nun. So, she yeah. Was, yeah. so she just, she just decided to live her life in a cell yeah. and, and not get married. Uh, yes. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. And there are, uh, um, again, it's um, uh, visions attributed to her. Um, that she she was uh, she took herself quite literally as a as a bride of Christ. Oh, yeah. That it was okay. so like you you have that kind of um, uh, monastic association. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, she wasn't. I was. Yeah, I mean, she was affiliated with an order, but she wasn't a primary of that order. She yes. was a lay tertiary. Yeah. Which is a technical <laughs> distinction, but yeah, she wasn't. Uh, she wasn't a nun. Um, but uh, yeah, so a lot of her her mystical writings uh, survive. She. Um, gathered a pretty large following uh, during her life. But one of the kind of more famous uh, contributions that she made is that she actually, um, um, yeah, uh, um, uh, how, how do you say it? Told uh, off the Pope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, w- w- without... without um, Put the Pope in his place. Yes, so there, there was a time where... <laughs> Um, the rightful pope uh, was not was not in Rome, um, and you know other other forces had set themselves up uh, yeah. in Rome and have, had really been kind of running the show um, in a way that you know didn't really follow um, you know what we now recognize as you know the proper apostolic su- succession. Yeah. Um, and there was uh, some intimidation going on that that you know uh, Pope Gregory didn't want to return to Rome because of you know all. Um, that you know it, the politics and everything else is involved. Yeah, it's it's yeah, yeah it's um, like uh, like Hamlet or the Lion King or something like yeah. that. It's like well, you don't <laughs> you don't want to re- return to your rightful place. Um, and she she went uh, directly to him and said, "This is what you're supposed to do." Um, and you know he he kind of uh, resisted at first, but she was persistent. Um, she wrote letters to um, just about everyone involved. Yeah. Um, and was you know the key player or the the key force in restoring you know that proper um, order yeah that proper order of apostolic succession you know the pope is in Rome um, because that's you know Saint Peter <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, should be there so again like, we have these these kind of uh, different dynamics or they uh, again we, we want to um, uh, say that uh, you know when we think doctor we think you know someone who's you know intellectual who's who's done you know just in terms of theology but we have um these incredible women who have like on all fronts you know made made a huge difference so like in in the case of hildegard you know it's it's she's an intellectual powerhouse um saint therese is just this living a holy life yeah um um uh, and you know, here here you have someone who's you know a bit of a political mover and shaker, um, in in restoring you know the proper magisterial order of the church. You think about where yeah. the church would be without these individuals, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where it kind of gets like, oh wow, that's why they're doctors, is because like so without um, Saint Catherine of Siena, like where would the church be right now if if this guy if the Pope didn't get off his butt and move back to the proper place? If mm-hmm. like so, God had to send. St. Catherine to go tell him to do so, mm-hmm. right? Like, like what would have happened if that didn't, the church could have turned out differently. Yeah. So it shows God's hand, first of all, guiding the church through all these little things, like even just showing uh, St. Therese of, the, of Lisieux's little way um, to, to um, the great works um, of some of the other, the other writers, but that God 
guides the church mm-hmm. and he steps in when those people are open and willing to be that servant, to be that instrument for yeah. him, right? Which is really cool. I love that, like when we were looking up some of these stories. One of the other people, she's not a doctor of the church, but I think that in time she might be. Yeah. And it's because she's a, she's a saint now already, but that's Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. one of the reasons that she will become a doctor, maybe eventually down the road somewhere, I, I don't know if there's a working towards it, but you have to be a saint first. So she's just become saint, right? She's mm-hmm. Saint Mother Teresa yeah. as of a couple of years ago, a year ago, two years ago. Yeah. And so, but the works that she did showing how she loved and served the poor, she didn't, again, she's not somebody who wrote a lot of great works, mm-hmm. but her message and her message of love and the message that she has about caring for each other, uh, giving people honor, uh, respect at time of death, especially and yeah. those types of things. Um, her her contribution that way to cha- that changed the world first of all, but also like anybody in the world and that lived in the '90s knows Mother Teresa, knows yeah. who that was, and knows who she's she almost was. like a cultural reference. She like, really is. Say, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. She so she she like, she's told, no Mother Teresa. <laughs> there's, <or her. laughs> there's, a, there's a story where the uh, Knights of Columbus, I think it was, uh, were holding these big fancy dinners. Okay, and and one of the things you have black tie and or, or white tie, even like white white. And uh, so there's this big fancy dinner that's going on. I think it was the Knights of Columbus. It might be another organization. But um, uh, so she, they, they held this dinner and they flew in Mother Teresa to be the main speaker, like the, to be the person of honor at this big, huge, fancy dinner. And people were paying, they were raising money for charity and specifically her charity. Mm-hmm. And she was supposed to come in and, um, and they were raising like, it was $1,000 a plate type of thing. And as they're raising this $1,000 a plate, what they do is they, they, they're raising, I think they were, I can't remember how much money. They were like $100,000, $200,000, $300,000 for this charity, for her charity specifically. And they were donating it to her. And they got Mother Mar- uh, uh, Mother Teresa to get up on the stage. And specifically, like, here's a check for like half a million dollars type thing for your charities. And she looked around and she goes, those plates, that food, you guys put $1,000 towards a plate of food. Do you know how much a thousand? How many meals a thousand dollars would mm-hmm. would buy? You know the people that are starving. Do you know like so? Instead of being thankful for it, she kind of criticized them a little yeah. bit, and not in a like they, the people that I was told about. They they said in a very loving way, but like basically they raised another half a million that night <laughs> right after her yeah, she yeah. spoke. But she wasn't doing it to criticize. She was just saying like, yeah, you're virtual signaling here basically. Like she called them out on the front like, yeah the thousand plate was nothing to you. Like you just, you paid it to be here. And, and, but really like that means nothing to you, but that means everything to the people that I work with, you know? And, and so then they did another round and they raised even more money uh, because she wasn't afraid to call spade a spade. She Mm -hmm. wasn't afraid to kind of just point out the um, unbalance inequality in it. Yeah. 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 And her, her, it's, it's interesting. Like at the same time, she, she achieved kind of a level of celebrity but had a reputation for exactly what you're saying, kind yeah. of speaking truth to power. Yes. Um, there was there was one time where she was invited to speak to, um, I'm not sure if it was... A, the UN or... Was yeah, it was, it was something It was like, and, and somebody asked her, it's like, how does it feel, you know, to, to come from one of the poorest places in the world, like working in, working in Calcutta, um, to one of the richest and most affluent, whatever, like, what, what what's that experience like? Um, and she just kind of turned that on their head as well, just, mm-hmm. just to say, it was like, um, you know, India is a very rich place. And I, I, I believe it was uh, America that you're talking about. Like, um, you know, India is very rich, is spiritually rich. Um, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> by contrast, you know, a lot of a lot of European, a lot of North American kind of countries are, 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 are poor. So your understanding of the ways, you know, they, that you're rich are unimportant ways and the ways that, you know, 
other places in the world like who, who are able to recognize real spiritual riches um you know these these are the places that you should aspire to be like um again just she was invited as, as an honored guest and she she came you know um she wasn't a pushover yeah, yeah. I, I think that's yeah, there's yeah. like a tr- there's like a, a theme tr- theme here. Yeah. You know, that's uh, continuing. Um, my I question for you guys. You know, we're talking about uh, doctors of the church that uh, that are women. We're talking about saints. You know, that are uh, female saints and all these different things. It's clear that women have uh, stood up at times that they felt called. Right, yeah. they've stood up and they confronted the Pope uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the case of Saint Catherine of Siena. Um, today mm-hmm. like let's look at the, the the life of the church today where where should women or where might women feel like their calling is to serve as disciples of Jesus you know like uh, this is let me give you uh, this yeah. is what is going on in my brain mm-hmm. right now I'm thinking about like the, the the people you've just talked about and we've kind of shared and then I think back at the history of sort of even you know, this part of Canada that we're in, like all of the religious sisters, they basically started our healthcare system. Yeah. They basically started our Catholic education system. They've basically started so many things that we sort of take for granted today or the government has taken over. Yeah. Right. And like we, we as a church, I mean, are grateful for that history. We're learning still how to honor that history mm-hmm. right but today like you see in time like we're we're talking about saints back from the 11th century i mean we could even go as far back you know mary magdalene yeah. right yeah, yeah, you know yeah, roll, sure. looking through the stone like there's so many great moments in our in the life of our faith where are women called today to sort of you know um serve contribute the church? to the life of the church serve the church uh and I, I, I understand yeah. that like a lot of people say today, well, women are limited as what they can do in the church, right? That's always the debate. Of course. I mean, uh, you know, they say women can't be priests, so there's not much they can do. I find that so false. I, I, mm-hmm. like, well, I think look these at, women stand up the, against it, right? Yeah, yeah. Look at the look at the history of our Catholic Church. It's been carried on the backs of women. Of course. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like where yeah. where where is where is somewhere that women today can really? Um... I think all these women have something very much in common, and part part of that, like these women that stand out in the lives of the church, is that they followed the path that God put before them, right? They didn't. They didn't. Um, go forward like sure they 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 reformed the monastic life in in one way they they told the pope to get off his butt but like <laughs> none of none of the things that they did require him as as you said like the debate about uh, serving the church none of them required to be in a very specific position or very like the way they changed the church was god used them where they were yeah. when they were does that make sense yeah and it wasn't like god didn't move them into a position of being this princess or this queen or this like mm. that wasn't who they were they were living the life that god gave them where they were and god used them fully as an instrument so they were willing to be useful like saint Teresa of, uh, of lazure like she she wasn't the highest sister in her order in fact she was probably one of the mm. lowest and she's a doctor of the church because of the way she approached her life, you know, and where God put her. So I think for anybody, not just women, but for for men and women in total, uh, to to be the greatest version of yourself is to fully um, ask God, like to be an instrument for God, and just to live out your calling as a love uh, in discipleship 
where God's got you right now. How can I be who God wants me to be right now where he's put me? Yeah. And the only way you can do that is actually doing prayer. Like you have to be like one of the other things is women all had common. They're praying all the time. Yeah. Right. And, and, and yes. exactly. So, so they get yeah. in tune with God. But yeah. yeah. And just at a really practical level, you know, if you removed all women from the church, the church would end in a few short years. That is like, <laughs> but even, even, yeah. even, even that, like that, that goes back to, you know, Mary as yeah. kind of the mother of the church, uh, yeah. the mother of God. It's like Mary's yes, you know, to started <laughs> yeah, the Christian yeah. church. Yeah, yeah. It, exactly. Um, that, you know, a, a, lot, a lot of a lot of women, a lot of the women we know, we're standing up that like are, uh, you know, starting faithful families. Um, but, you know, uh, beyond that too, you know, there, there's involvement in the, in the life of the parish, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, my, my wife is, um, you know, involved in, in, in tons of stuff, but like, you know, uh, no, uh, t- like teaching our CIA, um, yep. you know, doing the, the marriage prep stuff. Um, starting like children's liturgy, like there's all kinds of, of ways that, um, you know, uh, women contribute to the life of the church in general ways, but, you know, in, in that very specific way of, um, you know, um, leading, leading Catholic family, like, uh, families. And, uh, I know in recent years, you know, Pope Francis has, uh, appointed, uh, women, to sort of the 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 heads of certain dicasteries in in the, the Vatican, which is yeah. something new, right? And and yet this debate continues to linger. It's like, well, why don't you just let them be ordained as it as if it's to say that it's it's there where women can make a difference? And like, no, like w- women have made a difference in our church for for, for since the church began. Yeah. Right, yeah. and uh, that I don't think is a limitation. I don't see that as a limitation. For no, and, and and understanding and fully I, what the what the church teaches when you come. Like we've talked about this before when we talk about can women become priests. I think in one of the ep- previous episodes, there's a there's a very specific role for priests, and it isn't about power. Right. It's actually mm-hmm. the complete opposite. And Christ getting on his knees and serving his disciples, washing their feet, and that's the role that priests are supposed to play. Serving, like they give up their life to s- solely serve the church, so that they can be called at two o'clock in the morning to go to the. Like there, there are avenues there. You know, not saying that that is why women can't be priests, mm-hmm. but they're like it's not a position of power. It's not yeah. a position, and these women prove that. Like they can actually make change to the church. But the main purpose of of, of, a, of a why it's a man is because they act in persona Christi, where they act in the full person of Christ, and and we talk and there's there's a, there's other examples there, but that's one of the biggest reasons. So if your uh, objectivity to this is uh, you want you know you want to affect change, you want to have power to make decisions, you want to do all that in the Catholic Church right now, that is where it sits. Like that, you you can be some of like the highest offices of the doctrine of the faith, even or those like women are making influ- uh, very uh, big changes, making big things happen in those seats and offices. Um, it, that's not the problem. If you're looking at trying to mm-hmm. become a priest, there's a difference. That you're, you're not struggling for power there. You're struggling for something different. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I, I think, you know, the church itself is female. Like, the, the church is mm-hmm. the bride of Christ. Yeah, that's right. Right? And so I think it's important to have that, you know, feminine genius if you will mm-hmm. that feminine influence right uh and uh, i think it's 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 a beautiful thing to have in the church i mean you look at the life of a parish 
you know, uh, I mean, so many, so many of our faithful parishioners are, are women who give so much of their time and, and life and love to our parish communities. Without them, I know I would be lost. Uh, I know <laughs> our parish communities would would suffer, right? And 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 so that this is what sort of the Pope has opened up for uh, going up, sort of the the ranks of of the dicasteries and things in the Vatican, which only will 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 contribute great things you know there's lots of good good examples of of uh women who have influenced the church in such beautiful ways so there's there's a a whole future that yeah. will yeah. that will continue to happen maybe we'll get another saint catherine of siena mm-hmm. who will you know yell at the pope i don't know <laughs> <laughs> put, put him in his place maybe i think i was when you were saying that i thought too any married couple knows really um you know my i i make a lot of big decisions in my family but when my wife has a very specific feeling about one thing or the other, she's the boss. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it is. Like, she's the I boss. make the big decisions. You might pretend. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think she's any married couple knows exactly what goes on. Anyways, there's so much more that we could have said about um, the contributions of, of women. I mean, we only touched on a, on a few. We can do a whole series. Uh, of the awesome women, saints. You know? We talked on some of the doc- doctors of faith, but yeah. there are millions. Like, there's books of saints out there that are. Just and even crazy. in Canada, like yeah. we haven't even talked about Saint Margaret Bourgeois. like you know there's yeah. so much so much we we could could have said uh maybe someone out there has a favorite saint maybe someone out there has a favorite uh female influencer if you will <laughs> uh, in the life of the catholic church you can drop us a line on our Facebook or Instagram pages, or if you want to disagree with anything we said, you can send us an email or comment there too, or email at askusatthecatholicbuzz.com. So that's all the time we got today. So for Josh Sullivan and Matt Van Milligan, my name is Father Daniele. We'll see you next time on The Catholic Buzz.